This is Mouth Media Network. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Material Is Your Business. We are here at TexWorld, the phenomenal fabrics trade show at the Javits Center in New York City. And we are having a phenomenal episode today talking about what's on everyone's minds and probably everyone's bodies, cotton. And we have here today with us Jeff Wilson, who is the Director of Business Value Strategy and Development for the Textile Exchange. They're a 501c3 non-for-profit. It's membership-based on a mission for public good. It's centered around three things, global fiber and materials, standards and certification, and the supply network. And we're also thrilled to have here with us Darren Abney. He's the membership engagement manager of the Better Cotton Initiative. They're a not-for-profit organization really on a mission around cotton production. How do we make it better for the environment? How do we touch the people producing it? And all the sectors for the future. Really excited to have you guys. Thank you for being here. And the show starts right now. From New York City, this is Material Is Your Business, a podcast covering the science, technology, and business of materials and manufacturing. Your hosts for this episode are Samantha Cortez, international consultant and founder of Samantha's Platform, Stephanie Benedetto, CEO and co-founder of Queen of Raw, and Mark Rico, award-winning creative entrepreneur. And now... Here are your hosts. Welcome back, everybody. This is Stephanie Benedetto here with Material Is Your Business. We're live at TexWorld right now, and I have my co-host, Mark Rico. Hey, everybody. And Samantha Cortez. Hi, everyone. And we have two phenomenal guests with us. One is Jeff Wilson from Textile Exchange. Hello, everyone. And Darren Abney from the Better Cotton Initiative. Phenomenal guests. Feels like a lot of pressure. Oh, we're excited to get the conversation going and to flesh out how phenomenal we know you guys are. We're going into the first segment of our podcast, which really focuses on a Reader's Digest thumbnail high-level sketch of who you are and what you and your organization do. Darren, do you want to start and tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Sure. So uh, I'm the membership engagement manager at BCI or the Better Cotton Initiative. Um, and we're a nonprofit multi-stakeholder organization founded with the mission to really focus on making cotton production at the field level more sustainable, making it better for the environment, better for the people who produce it and better for the cotton sector's future. Um, after five years, I'm really excited and proud of the fact that we've transformed 11.9% of the total global cotton production market as licensed better cotton. So um, it's, a, it's a huge ambition, but we're trying to reach 30% of the total market by 2020. We've made a lot of strides towards that. And um, I think the most important part of BCI to understand is that it's a better cotton standard system, which means it's a holistic approach to all of the important aspects of sustainability with an emphasis on the business. Because if you want to create change at a material level, then it has to work with business. And maybe we'll talk more about that today. But um, the, the funding mechanism for what we do uh, directly funds field projects around the world. 
That's very powerful. And we look forward to hearing more about it. And Jeff, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are sure. and what you do? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Jeff Wilson, Director of Business Value Strategy and Development at Textile Exchange. Uh, we are a U.S.-based 501c3 nonprofit uh, with global operations. Uh, as a 501c3, our mission is fairly broad to create an overall public good and our work to accomplish that is largely on three main areas. One is in fiber and materials. And so that's really helping brands and suppliers understand the nuts and bolts of their fiber and material choices. And in particular, the environmental and social impacts of those materials and fibers relative to each other. The second platform is what we call our standards and certification. We own and develop six standards that actually help to assure that those preferred materials, such as organic cotton, recycled polyester, other man-made cellulosics, have a, a reasonable level of assurance and risk reduction to the brands that have adopted those, so that when it comes out of cut and sew through the whole complex supply network, there's assurances that it is in fact what they bought as it is in fact achieving the impacts that they most likely made the decision to adopt that particular fiber and material. And lastly, supply network, otherwise known as supply chain, is tying it all together, like-minded suppliers throughout the whole value cycle that are utilizing best practices in energy, water, waste, and chemicals, have adopted and understand preferred fibers and materials, and are certified to those preferred fiber and materials. So that's what we do. That is two powerful organizations doing amazing, mission-driven, life-changing things. Before we get in deeper to them, just as a matter of housekeeping, guys, Find us on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. We are also full episodes at materialisyourbusiness.com. That's also on iTunes, Stitcher, and, of course, Google Play. So now let's jump right into it. So I'm curious kind of the relationship between the two businesses. We have you both on mic here. I know that you guys work together. Um, would like to know a little bit more about how you do that. So, so BCI, the organization, um, we're headquartered in Geneva, Switzerland, and the focus is really centered around the Better Cotton Standard, but we recognize that it's a portfolio approach for a lot of the brand retailer members at BCI. Um, so with that, we work with other industry groups like the Textile Exchange. We're a member of TE, and BCI as a membership organization, uh, TE is also a member of BCI. So I think it's about having common goals around sustainability, um, but it's different methods for approaching it uh, when it comes to materials. Yeah, um, Darren, I will echo one thing that Darren said, which is absolutely key, and that's, that's the commonality of the vision and the outcomes that we want. BCI obviously focused on cotton. Our work is more broad-based in terms of, as I mentioned, a number of other materials, but largely... Our lead fiber materials are cottons, polyesters, synthetics, and man-made cellulosics. We also get involved in down and wool with our standards, but it's, it's, it's a bit more broad-based approach. But as, as Darren said, you know, we work with BCI. We support BCI. We also support other preferred cottons, including certainly organic cotton, cotton made in Africa, fair trade, cleaner cotton, reels. There's a whole host of cottons out there that have sustainability attributes that we support as well. And certainly we have a whole number of providers on the preferred polyester side and synthetics and certainly on the preferred man-made cellulose side. Was a, I was going to ask, 
besides the cotton, you deal with a lot more other textiles. Uh, yes. Materials. Can yes, you expand a little bit more onto that? Can you give sure. a little bit more information on that? Well, I, I think so. Again, being broad-based, our work uh, being broad-based, not necessarily focused on a specific fiber material. But the important thing that we think is 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 sort of lost sometimes in it is global textile fabrication. Our data indicates whether it's apparel, footwear, home textiles, industrial textiles, what have you. 99% of it is composed of three fiber materials: cottons, synthetics, mostly polyester, and man-made cellulosic. So lyocells, rayons, viscose, tencel, modal. And so our work is really kind of designed to try and help our membership, largely brands, understand the environmental impacts of those materials, both virgin or conventional, as well as the impacts associated with the preferred varieties, whether it's BCI cotton or mechanically recycled polyester or a preferred lyocell like Tencel, and how those compare to make informed and intelligent choices at the brand level for adoption and execution based upon what we are really trying to provide is factual information. So what would be your day-to-day with a brand, like the conversation that you would have with the brand? Well, so it depends. Uh, you know, I hate that that answer, but <laughs> I'm a law- I'm a former lawyer. The word is magic. It depends well, is everything. <laughs> and the reason I say it depends is just because there are certain brands that are, you know, on this path of improvement, let's call it, that we call the continuum. Certain brands are m- much more progressive than than others, or progressed, let's put it that way. So you take a Nike, right, or a Patagonia, who are both members, compared to let's just say an unnamed new brand that's just starting to explore this. They're coming into this from completely different places. So you have to tailor your approach and, and your information and deliverables to their level of need and, and, and what they're trying to achieve. So that's what we try to do. Um, we, we, you know, there's a whole, that could go on for a long time, the conversation, but in how we try to advise brands, particularly on a material strategy. And Darren, is that a similar process to how you guys work with other agencies and brands and strategic partners? Yeah, yeah, I mean, BCI really was founded on the principle of continuous improvement and metrics that were measurable for creating change at cotton's field level, at the agricultural level. So in 2005, it was a progressive group. They got together not just brands, but also suppliers and manufacturers, some nonprofit organizations. Um, Are you familiar with the WWF, the World Wildlife Fund? So it was a sub-working group that was looking at the top 10 commodities that are impacting the mission of WWF. And one of those was cotton. There's also soy and palm oil, but they... um, we were birthed from that sub-working group trying to figure out how to fundamentally make conventional cotton growing practices on a global scale more sustainable, better than what it was. A cotton farmer in Brazil will have completely different growing practices than a cotton farmer in India. So to compare and say that all cotton is X, Y, or Z is not a fair or accurate statement. And BCI's mission with the Better Cotton Standard has really been to create a global application of a standard um, or a metric for cotton farmers that could then measure on improvements based on what's applicable for that region. 
And that's fascinating, right? Because this word sustainable, which everyone throws out, has so many meanings to so many different people. Such a loaded word. And I hear you both speak about um, everything from fair trade to minimizing water to uh, organic materials going into it. So there's a lot of aspects. I wonder, in terms of certifications and different standards, as new information and new light comes out about certain materials that may or may not meet your certifications, how do you guys react to the materials that are either in your network or the people that you work with? Do you start, do you list and delist certain materials that you certify as sustainable under your organization or are you not doing independent certifications? We at Texel Exchange do not certify. We develop the standards associated with a given fiber material. So for instance, we have two standards around recycled content, the recycled uh, claim standard and the global recycled content standard. And so, excuse me, Global Recycle Claim Standard. And so we develop in a multi-stakeholder process the requirements around those standards, and then independent third parties then are in the field certifying to those requirements. But I th that's kind of how the process works with us. Darren can share it on the BCI side, how they do it. But I think your, to your question of what constitutes a certifiable, I guess, material is, well, it 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 does depend, obviously. So let's just take, let's just take wool for instance. Wool, wool is largely an animal rights standard, and so with a little bit of land management. So anybody in the value network, from the ranch all the way through, you know, spinning and weaving, has to meet the requirements of, of the standard to be certified as RWS, Responsible Wool Standard, including the brand. So. If, if it meets the requirements of the standard, it's good. If it doesn't meet the requirements, if a facility doesn't meet the requirements of a standard, it doesn't get certified, and so the wool that's going through is not certified, and it can't have full chain of custody through to the end product. So I, hopefully that partially answered. Darren probably has some comments as well. Well, I mean, for BCI, it is an actual standard that was also created by a multi-stakeholder network. And I, I think that's one of the critical aspects, too. When you look at this sustainability, and I'm saying with air quotes, market space, um, it's much more crowded today than it was 10 years ago. There's a lot of certifications. There's a lot of standards out there. So finding for brands the, the standards that are reliable, that are credible and vetted through the industry are really important. And... BCI, again, as a multi-stakeholder standard, really takes into account all aspects of the supply chain, not just what's best for poor farmers in, in China or some remote location, um, what's not just best for a brand trying to make the best product, but what really is a holistic approach to fundamentally addressing a raw material that's instrumental to your business. In this case, for BCI, it's, it's cotton. So we're taking a fundamentally different approach by putting mechanisms in place uh, that w encompass what we call the better cotton standard system, which has to start with the actual rules and regulations at the field level, which is what we call the production principles and criteria. But it also goes into capacity building, working with farmers, uh, collecting data around the assurance program. And, and at the end of the day, it's all about results and impact. What, what are the measured improvements that your farmers can demonstrate against their conventional counterparts. That's a great 
capsule definition of sustainability, hopefully a new way to start thinking about things. Good time for a fast break, and we'll be back soon with Material Is Your Business and Darren Abney from Better Cotton Initiative and Jeff Wilson from Textile Exchange. Be back soon. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts of Fashion Is Your Business, another great show on Mouth Media Network. If you like the podcast you're listening to, Material Is Your Business, then I bet you're going to love Fashion Is Your Business, which intersects fashion, technology, and innovation, and also American Fashion Podcast, which Harper's Bazaar calls for the true fashion nerd at heart. Both shows and a whole bunch of other great podcasts are all available at MouthMediaNetwork.com. And when you do listen, let us know you heard about them on Material Is Your Business. Thanks a lot. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Material Is Your Business. We are here on location at TextWorld in the wonderful Javits Center in New York. And we're excited to continue the conversation with Darren Abney from the Better Cotton Initiative and Jeff Wilson from Textile Exchange. I'd like to open it up a little bit more globally in our conversation for a moment, sort of stepping back from the specifics we were talking about and talking much wider. And so you're two different organizations, but you're working in tandem in some cases. So can you talk about the industry in general and the common problems that you're seeing in general and what are common conversations that are happening? Well, there is a lot of common problem with this industry and it's not a secret. The industry on the whole is a dirty industry. We've known this for centuries and it continues to be so in the major production areas today in the global south. We know that. What, is, what does dirty mean in this context? Um, so a lot of chemicals, 4,000 plus chemicals, in, largely in wet processing. So as a result of that, you've got effluent, toxic hazardous effluent into mostly watersheds. You've got human health problems associated with the storage and handling and application of those chemicals in intermediate processing. You've got a whole host of chemical issues associated with farm production. You've got a whole host of chemical issues associated with wellhead petroleum-based, fossil fuel-based uh, production of synthetics. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a whole host through the whole life cycle of a textile product. There are a whole host of problems that have broad industry commonality, and that commonality drives a lot of the work that's going on in the collaborative efforts these days from the SAC to the Outdoor Industry Association in Europe, the outdoor, the European Outdoor Group. We all know that these, these problems in the industry can't be solved by even somebody like Nike. It's too big. So the collaborations that have evolved over the last 10 years or so are really an understanding, a recognition of the breadth and the depth of these problems globally and that are core to our industry. And so how we collectively think about transforming the industry into a new model that solves many of these many problems, including environmental and social impacts that we know 
we can do better and we know we can reduce. Well, I think I, I think it's also an awareness, not even necessarily from the consumer, which has definitely progressed over the last decade, but more awareness inside the industry. I'm amazed at the number of designers or buyers that I'll have conversations with. And in just in the last year or two, they've become aware of all of these issues, not just related to the environment, but also social issues, all of which I would say coin under dirty industry, maybe terminology, because um, BCI, obviously, we're focused on cotton cultivation. We're, we're a, we're a ag-based organization focused on cotton at the field level. So there's a lot of associated issues with cotton production that Jeff touched on, but there's also depending on the area, again, we have to have something that's applicable for that region. Um, for example, Brazil has a lot of pest threat. So if you're asking a farmer who is ultimately a businessman, he has to make money on his crop at the end of the year, right? So if he cannot grow his crop without spraying pesticide, then that's a really difficult thing to achieve because of the tropical climate he's growing that cotton in. So if you have then cotton in Turkey that might be freezing, you have the freeze to defoliate, so you can grow organically maybe. Um, the idea for BCI was to create a global benchmark metric that those farmers can be more sustainable against by measure the improvements that they're making on an annual basis around water use, around pesticide management, around um, labor issues. All of these things are relevant to cotton farmers with different application depending on where they're based. So from BCI's perspective, it's really important to have something that is measurable and continues to grow year on year to meet business demand, to meet market. Because if you want to have a fundamental change, you've got to meet business where it's at and continually improve. We're actually one of the largest in pollution um, industries, uh, and it's actually really sad. And it, one of the, the, the things I've discussed with uh, plenty of people, and I'm not sure who could answer this better, um, on the waste of water for the production of cotton. Um, yeah, is so, it Jeff or Darren, whoever? <laughs> <laughs> so LCAs, uh, Jeff was talking earlier about a life cycle assessment or LCA, which is essentially an extensive report on the impact of a particular product. In this case, I can use um, jeans as an example. Levi Strauss, Nike, multiple companies invest a lot of money and a lot of time to do a footprint of a product and say, okay, environmentally and socially, how is this performing? And in multiple studies, what I've seen is organizations have identified that the largest environmental footprint for a pair of jeans would be the, the consumer use at the end, which brands don't have much control over, and also the agricultural stage before it goes into processing to become a product. So water as a resource is an enormous issue, not just for this industry, but every industry on the planet doesn't matter if you're making cars or cell phones or, or clothing. So finding ways to do it better is a critical component to the Better Cotton Standard. We're trying to inform and educate farmers through various channels how they can preserve their water um, in a way that's progressive. I'll also say that we work with farmers like um, the Sapima Group out of California. Um, we all know about the drought in California and how difficult it has been. Um, 
we we license several of those farmers against the better cotton standard but i can say for sure that these guys even before they became licensed as bci they are doing everything they can to preserve water because at the end of the day it's it's their livelihood it's their business so using it in a way of not just trying to feel good i think it's important to understand that they're looking at it from a business lens how can i preserve this critical resource that ultimately is finite and cost me a lot of money. We're talking a lot, obviously, about the production of these materials and the processes around them, but that obviously still begets the issue that you are still making new things. That, and in this age of kind of overconsumption and overuse, do either of your organizations get into any of the aspects at the end of life with the recycling closed loop system aspect and or working or not working with some of the fast fashion and fast retailers to try to scale down production? Because obviously that's still a big issue and, and probably part of the mission. That's the elephant in the room, right? <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. So a uh, couple of things going on there in your, in your observations and your questions. I think the first one is, let's separate out speed to market, fast fashion for a minute. Just as it stands today, globally, 85% of textiles, and that's including towels and sheets and pillowcases and everything, industrially as well as apparel, 85% of global post-consumer textiles end up either in the landfill or incineration. That's just fundamentally unacceptable and, and a point we need to change. That's why I so, have five closets of clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's work that's starting the whole circular economy that's gaining speed. We're getting involved with that in a number of different ways. We think it's important and we're going to ramp up our sort of our, uh, our work in that and have be able to provide our members better information about what's going on in the circular economy. There's a number of issues associated with that. Secondarily to you, a related question of, of consumption. <laughs> um, that, this, that's a conversation that could, you could have a long, long debate about and sort of maybe the elephant in the room is the right thing. But I don't know that we should demonize them. They... They are doing something, and they're doing it really well. And when I say they, let's take Zara and, and H&M as poster children. You know, they understand the implications of what they're doing, and they're really working hard to try and understand circularity because they know if they're going to be punching out more and more product and driving consumption globally, you've got to figure out a way to close the loop. And they're investing in that. Good solutions right now? No. Can we get better? Yeah, a whole lot better. You know, H&M's and Zara's are doing really, really good work on the front end with materials adoption, chemical processing, all those kinds of things. So I just don't think we should demonize consumption and fast fashion. Um, there's still, I think there's still conversations that need to be had there. Yeah, um, BCI doesn't deal with closed loop. Uh, we're really focused on uh, cotton in the field level. But personally, I think I've seen the emergence of a lot of really cool organizations in the last few years who are fundamentally addressing that, like um, ICO, who partners with a lot of um, retailers to help them with take-back programs. And uh, Nicole Bassett founded with Jeff Denby the, the Renewal Workshop, which is a fantastic idea around outdoor clothing. I don't, I don't want to sit here and be the spokesperson for them, but just as a consumer, when I went to their website, I was blown away with how they've, how they've opened this workshop to help with outdoor take back and repair. So if I've got this nice North Face jacket I don't, and I get a rip in it, I don't have to throw it out. I can have it repaired in a professional way 
which just makes it last longer, right? And that's what's so nice, too. It's taking these kind of complex solutions and issues, but making it something that is so transparent and obvious for the consumer to understand. Putting that aside and getting a little bit more technical, I know we were talking a bit about the HIG index and what that means and how people can understand it and how that translates in the work that you do. Um, wondering if you could talk a little bit about that for those who don't know about the HIG index. Sure. Um, the HIG index is the primary tool that the Sustainable Para Coalition has been working on for roughly seven years now. And it, too, is a large, collaborative, multi-stakeholder, global brands, suppliers, NGOs, academics. And the, you know, there are three primary modules to it right now, the brand module, the facilities module, and the DDM, the uh, design and development module around product. I won't bore you with the brand and the facilities module, but really, really integral to performance industrially. And, but from a material standpoint on the DDM, the design and development module, which is really sort of the cornerstone of what they're trying to drive out to the brands at the designer level, is helping designers make informed choices about a whole host of attributes of their product, most importantly materials. The materials piece of that is driven by what's called the MSI, which is the Material Sustainability Index, which was originally developed by Nike. It was gifted to the SAC, and it's become now an open source platform for LCI, LCA data-driven information that for a given material, and there's a whole boatload of materials in the MSI, the designers can access to help them make those informed choices about whether to adopt BCI or adopt cotton made in Africa or adopt organic or adopt mechanically recycled polyester. And I won't bore you, there's a whole host of other materials in the MSI beyond that, that if you look at a, say a complex product like a shoe, a running shoe that has many, many materials in it, both natural and synthetic, mostly synthetic, that helps them with a final score. And so it's based, the materials piece of it is all based, it's intentionally 100% driven by LCI data. That's what the SAC and the membership has determined. The, 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 the core scoring is going to come out of LCI lifecycle inventory and lifecycle assessment data. Do you see the designers more into, into the whole requiring information, getting information, wanting to know a little bit more than in the past? Well, I, I think so. I think we're, we're seeing greater adoption overall and understanding and interest of, of, of this work in general. So, I mean, Darren's seen it in, in their work with BCI and growth in membership and adoption. We're seeing it in growth in membership and adoption and goal setting and impacts. So at the designer level, uh, complex, I mean, really hard work and the time compressions now are really getting tight. So all the things that they have to manage in terms of deciding, you know, what they're going to do from, you know, from price and performance and washability, the whole thing, adding sustainability in, you know, materials and chemistry is still a challenge. And we, there is growth. There needs to be more growth, more sort of execution at the designer level. That's not a, that's not a slam on designers. And one of the things that we'd like to see in particular is that design schools adopt more curriculum associated with fundamentals of preferred materials and chemistry, intermediate processing, circularity, all of that. We're seeing some of that, but we'd love to see greater adoption of that in the curriculums at the design schools. 
Well, I don't, and I don't even know if I would ever talk to a designer who would say they're not interested in sustainability. But the real challenge is getting the internal buy-in and having the ability to implement that because sometimes there's cost implications, sometimes there's uh, impacts on quality, which is not obviously the desire. But uh, if a designer is running into those challenges, it always helps to have buy-in from internal leadership to, to drive that process forward. Okay, Darren. And so for those designers who know that they want sustainability as part of their mission or that this is just good, makes good business sense, where do they go and what do they do? How do they get access to or know that it's a better cotton initiative, cotton, and that this is sustainable and this is how we get access to it? Because, of course, you know, all these amazing things are out there, but not everyone knows where to go. We're here at Tex World, and there are some incredible, obviously, innovations here. But even those who can't come to a Tex World touch and feel the fabric or learn about it, where can they go and what can they do? Yeah, there's a, like we've been talking about, the idea of a multi-stakeholder organization, there's a lot of availability in the marketplace. And I would say having an understanding of fundamentals is really where Textile Exchange does a lot of work around material snapshots. So you can inform yourself and educate yourself on the difference between a recycled polyester and a mechanical Really, you know, you know what 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 does what does polyester really mean? I had someone the other day asking me, "What is the difference between tinsel and modal?" So they just need to understand and and have the tools to to make it work. That's it. We're here to give you those tools. Great conversation so far. It's time for a fast break, and then we'll be back with the final segment. That's right. Personal questions and our fun feature. It's called Remnants. You'll see it soon right after this on Material Is Your Business. Do you remember what we used to say about running? Oh, somebody bigger had to chase you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. I'm BJ Smith, and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life. That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when... Something had to change. This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years. Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family. And I'm not doing it alone. My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing. I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. Coach athletes all over the world. And I'll talk with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train. You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up and it felt like you were working so hard. Everything's trainable. Whether it's run form, strength, that's all trainable. And so is our thinking. Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we can do this. Welcome back to Material Is Your Business. We're here on location at TexWorld in New York City. And we're here with Darren Abney from the Better Cotton Initiative and Jeff Wilson of Textile Exchange. Fascinating conversation around sustainable materials. And now we're here for... And now it's Remnants. Remnants. This is our section where we like to get a little more personal, a little more intimate with our guests. How do we do that? We're going to 
tear strips of materials that we're going to pick out of a hat, the order for who's going to go first with the questions. We as the co-hosts, we don't know what we're going to ask. We're just going to see what happens. What kind of material is it today? Well, we're walking around Tech's World and we see so many... It has to be cotton. Sustainable <laughs> cotton. Okay, so we're going to tear the cotton and pull the questions. So, first strip. And it's Samantha. Traveling and working with all these companies, is there, and this is not into the personal, but it's a little still into the business aspect, what are, what are the things that drive you a day-to-day? Like, what drives you to be into this end of the business? And what, what excites you about the business? For me, it's definitely people, knowing that you're impacting people's lives. Um, the environment is really important to me because we have people living in it. I want the world to be a livable place for my great-grandchildren. So with cotton specifically, uh, you know, we, we licensed 1.5 million farmers last year. That's something to wake up and get excited about each day, knowing that you're making a positive impact for people who are some of the poorest people on the planet. Um, and cotton, cotton as a fiber really has that ability to touch millions of lives. So that's what excites me. Yeah, I think, the, as kind of mentioned earlier, you know, the, the, the excitement, the interest, the passion for me is just knowing where our industry is and how much better we can do. I mean, we've got, from a cotton standpoint, we've got 85% of cotton is conventional. On polyester and synthetics, 95% is virgin conventional polyester. Man-made cellulosic, I don't have the number. But just for those three, again, that represent 99%, it's how much we can do better with material choices and the impacts, to Darren's point, on the people, the ecosystems, you know, our, our, our natural systems is what drives me. Again, my connection to the ocean is first and foremost. And so it, it's, it's just, it's about how much better we can do to benefit everybody. And again, that goes back to our public mission. You know, we're really about creating healthier, safer communities and ecosystems globally for everybody. You talked about your surfing. I, it's just a little bit more about that, your connection with the ocean. That's what drives you. That was actually the point I was trying to get at that question. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, anyway, you, you know. you got to ask yeah, so, surfing, then. Yes, yeah, I yeah, to yeah, go is, back. I have to. Well, yeah, it is, a, it is a lifelong passion. Speaking I've been of surfing, doing it for far too many Far too many, well, not far too many years. Far more years than I care to admit because I'll date myself. But, yeah, it's just a beautiful thing for me. I connect with nature, um, just the whole experience in terms of the raw power of the ocean, the wildlife that's in the ocean, the beach experience, just everything about the ocean. And, you know, it's just a connection to nature that's very, very powerful. It's therapeutic. It's not to get weird, but it's sort of spiritual for me. It grounds me in a lot of different ways and keeps me whole and centered and humble so you don't want to get knocked in the back of a head with uh with a bottle while you're surfing right yeah (laughs) yeah there's a lot there's yeah in the water on the beach there's a whole host of junk hey i'm from the caribbean i can totally relate that's why i was like i have to ask that question yeah yeah so but yeah i i just you know really directly and both indirectly what we do actually does affect those things that are in the ocean because I know some of those things that appear on the coast of California are coming 
long ways through the Pacific currents from somebody else's trash. And some of it is textile based. So, yeah. That's it. Let's go change the world. All right, let's pull out another piece of cotton. And it's me. Okay. If you had to wear one article of clothing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Yoga pants. <laughs> Definitely not. No, you do not want to see me in yoga pants. Um, definitely cotton. I mean, the, the, the one thing that gives me the most comfort is a really comfy, soft T-shirt, a 100% cotton T-shirt. I, I live in Texas. I live in the South. We get really hot summers. And yeah, my T-shirt might get a little wet sometimes from the sweat, but it's just something that you cannot replace. There's nothing like it. Well, I'm going to make an assumption that the environment is a warm tropical ocean area, so I'm really happy in just a pair of board shorts and recycled polyester for sure. <laughs> Great. And we're pulling the last one. And, oh, go figure, it's Mark. I knew I'd come in there somewhere. Uh, both of you are not from New York, right? Correct. Right. Okay. So my question is, when you come into New York, what is the thing that you've got to do while you're here, whether it's recreationally or a place you like to go to eat, what's got to be part of your New York experience every time you come? Well, uh, personally, I've always got to make it over to El Centro and have one of those margaritas. They're off of uh, 9th Avenue. And do you know it? Yes, okay. I do know it. I have had the margaritas. <laughs> it's, it's just one of those spots that it's Really good food, affordable prices, great service. So, yeah, I'm always at El Centro. Well, one of the things, most of the time when I'm coming to New York, it's actually for this show. Nothing against New York otherwise. But the one thing I really like to do due to proximity here is walk the High Line. That, mm, that's really fun and not, not so much today. And for, for people who don't know, what is the High Line? So the High Line, and forgive me, New Yorkers, if I screw this up, but it <laughs> used to be in the 19th century. Here in this district, the main kind of elevated railroad line that brought meat from the Hudson River docks to market. And maybe it had other, there were other, you know, sort of commodities, I'm not sure. But, and I can't remember when, but at some point it became an inefficient way of doing it. So the rail line went, it went out and the elevated uh, tracks were still there for, what is it, a couple miles anyway? Yeah, and so... Beautiful, beautiful. I mean, this is just an example of what can happen in an urban community that probably multiple things, but certainly around having a nice open environmental kind of an experience. It's beautiful is that whole elevated railway was transformed into this very, very beautiful nature filled walk with all kinds of, uh, you know, vegetation, beautifully, beautifully done. It's a it's a wonderful walk. I usually run there every morning. I run well, too. Well, obviously not no, this run, cold. But... <laughs> <laughs> cold rain. Yeah. 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 Rain. So that's that's one of my musts. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Great conversation with Textile Exchange and Better Cotton Initiative, reflecting a little bit on the conversation we just had and on your business and on you personally. Can you give our listeners one kind of final thought or message or inspiration that you can leave them with? I would say if you're interested in looking at sustainability in the context of the textile industry, then you have to start somewhere. Don't be overwhelmed by the amount of information that's out there. Figure out what must be relevant for your 
business, what's most relevant for your business, where you can start, and find ways to fundamentally address that particular material. What is it that is going to create the most impact for your company? Um, and when you when you start there and you learn about it and you network around it, then you're going to excel. Yeah, Darren kind of took the words out of my mouth. I totally <laughs> no. I think it's good. As is, you don't. This stuff can get complicated. Don't let it overcomplicate you. And to, fundamentally, from a from a material standpoint, standpoint, understand what your current fiber and materials portfolio is and then make a commitment to building that portfolio on a continuous improvement basis. And maybe you choose cotton and maybe you choose a particular product category to improve on, however you choose to do it, but build a path of continuous improvement in the best way that you can, but don't overcomplicate it. Start small and think big. We hear you. Thank you guys so much. So how can our listeners connect with you in your business? What's the best way to reach you? Yeah, I think for me personally, no problem. Uh, Jeff at TextileExchange.org. And our website is TextileExchange.org. And for BCI, uh, we're online at BetterCotton.org. That's O-R-G. Or on Twitter at BCI Cotton. Um, or you can get in touch with me directly. My email is on the website, BetterCotton.org. Great. Thank you so much. And for Samantha Cortez, adios. And Mark Rako. Thanks a lot, everybody. I'm Stephanie Benedetto. Thanks for listening. Go change the world and see you next time. My material is your business. This has been Material Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at materialisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, materialisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.